Hello, dear music friends. Cheryl Manfredonia here with you for the next hour, and we're going to be exploring a beautiful scola who specializes in Gregorian chant. We'll listen to some music, and a little bit later in the program, we're actually going to be speaking with one of their singers and um, a sister who is very involved with the scola as well. So our CD comes to us from Paraclete Press. I will thank Sister Genevieve cleverly for arranging the interview and for sending us this beautiful CD entitled The Chance of Mary. And it is recorded by Gloria Dei Cantoris, Singers to the Glory of God. Gloria Dei Cantoris is a 40-voice chorale with many subsets, smaller scolas, some just women, some just men. And specifically, I believe our selections today are coming from the Gloria Dei Cantoris Men's Scola. So again, thank you, Sister Genevieve, for uh, sending us this beautiful CD, which I've been enjoying, for arranging the interview. We'll uh, listen to a little bit of music, and then we're going to welcome to the program Dr. Jim Jordan. He is also music editor for the Paraclete Press, as well as his teaching associate, Sister Evangeline Ingorson. Dr. Jordan is a Gregorian chant specialist, as I mentioned, music editor for Paraclete Press. He conducts chant seminars and does sing with the men's scola, which we'll be hearing. He earned his master's and doctorate from the Eastman School of Music, but he studied chant extensively, as did Sister Evangeline in Cambridge, England. So we're going to ask them about that experience. Sister Evangeline Ingerson has been a religious for over 30 years. She teaches and performs chant at the Community of Jesus in Massachusetts, and she has taught chant on the international level to children. That's also one of my specific questions. How did the children receive the chant? So that's going to be fun. Let's start with a chant that I believe uh, will be familiar to most people, the beautiful Salve Regina. And we're going to listen to two versions of this. The Salve Regina is the antiphon for the Feast of the Nativity of Mary, which we know is September 8th. We listened first to a simple mode, mode 5, the simple chant, Salve Regina, immediately followed by the solemn mode. And so you can see how I compile my questions for Sister Evangeline and Dr. Jordan. Uh, maybe they can explain to us the difference, the differentiation between a simple mode and a solemn mode, and I believe our ears will probably start answering that for us right now. Here's the antiphon Salve Regina. Salve. Amen. 
And thank you for staying with us, friends. We are going to welcome to the program now Dr. Jim Jordan. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, welcome to the Sacred Music Hour. And do we also have Sister Evangeline? Yes, hi. Oh, wonderful. Well, it's just going to be so great to speak with people directly involved with this critically acclaimed uh, Cantoris Scola, the Gloria Day group. And... Um, and I was telling the people a little bit about both of you and how you uh, studied in Cambridge. Let's um, let you each have an opportunity to share with our listeners the bridge from your early schooling and your early prayer life and music life that led you to become so deeply immersed in Gregorian chant. Um, well, I'm happy to begin with that. I um, My name is Sister Evangeline. I grew up in a Christian community, so from about age 10, I started learning Gregorian chant, and um, a wonderful woman named Dr. Mary Berry came to our community and was teaching our whole community, and uh, including the children, and for whatever reason, she became like a hero in my mind, and I got so excited <laughs> about the chant, it was just, it was kind of contagious, and um, started just a lifelong interest for me. 
So it wasn't anything I had to, you know, go work very hard to drum up interest or study very hard. It just was part of my life from mm -hmm. an early age. And um, then I had the privilege of studying with her year after year as she returned to our community. And then in her older age, we went to England and worked with her. Okay. And actually, the, the the community to which Sister Evangeline was referring, I'm I'm Jim Jordan, and I I moved here when I was 25. Okay. Uh, straight out of graduate school, and I think most people would concur that when you're in music school, you don't actually learn much about chant. Right. Uh, you learn some basic facts about it, but it wasn't until I came here, and again, uh, likewise, started working with this marvelous woman, Dr. Barry, uh, who's Love for chant was just basically infectious. There was mm -hmm. no way around it. And you work with it a while, and all of a sudden you realize you're caught up in it. Mm. And as I've uh, now even tell my children, uh, kind of laughingly but not, truthfully I get more upset now when I misplace my Graduale triplex, which, I have, which has all of my chants in it, <laughs> than, than my Bible. And uh, they looked at me, I said, well, for good reason. The chant has opened scripture to me in a way that I I never got mm -hmm. as I as reading scripture by itself as much as I may love it when when the chant came along it it just opened a new chapter so that's how I got connected in with chant okay and that's true in music school I think back to myself as as I majored in in music education and eventually performance the chant was the smallest little chapter, yet it's a huge chapter in the history of sacred music, but in terms of our little music books, uh, it was a springboard to then to see how they developed in the Renaissance and, and the medieval period, and even later they would refer back to chant themes to write a symphony or something in the Romantic era, but we never really spent a lot of time on the chanted still. Yet, we can look at the chant as having survived, not only survived this test of time, but to be so popular right now. It's all these thousands of years, people are rediscovering their love for this beautiful music. Why, why do you think it touches people in the way that it does? Well, it's an interesting thing you're asking, because we were just talking about that this morning. Um, the the way that it has become so popular, and uh, I think there's, as as we all know, I think there's a number of reasons why it is. I mean, in this world of um, turbulent times and um, everyone, you know, terrorism, suffering, all sorts of things that we see around us, people are looking for some sort of answer. And I think um, on, on one level, I think some people just see it as, as a mode of relaxation or as something to calm themselves or um, even just like background music to have on when they're driving. Mm -hmm. um, and that has its place. Um, but I think it can be a lot more than that. And I think that's where um, it takes sometimes a little work on our parts, but it's, it's such a tool for, as Jim was saying, for the scriptures. Um, I think one of the reasons that it's become popular or that it's, I mean, as you said, it's stood the test of time. I think that one of the reasons that it still stands strongly is because it's based in the scriptures. And mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> in the simplicity of the music, it really gives room for the word of the scripture to come alive to us. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> if we have here at our community, we do the offices, the daily offices, so we have 
a, a lodge service in the morning and um, a midday office and a vesper service and a comp line. And throughout the day, the, the psalms go with the time of day, and each day they're different. And you'll find them saying something to you each, each day, something different, and, and you can also bring to it where you're at. I think there's a lot of um, life to be found in the chant. Mm-hmm. And I've heard some people say, well, I find chant to be a very um, personal experience, like a, as in a singular um, experience just for one, yet it also has a communal base. Dr. Jordan, what, what does it do more for you, or do you use chant as, as both, you know, a solitary or a communal experience? Well... I'll go, I'm going to answer the probably first number two and the number one. It's very communal here, and but it's communal in a sense on a personal level mm-hmm. because we're all engaging with the same text or the same chant at the same time. Yeah, and that was an experience I had never had. Uh, you know, singing choral works absolutely. You know, you 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 really do experience a very definite sense of unity. But chanting changed that for me entirely. And in a sense, that doing, I don't know how better to say this, doing it communally, it became personal. Okay. Now that's, I can see where you're going with that. Uh, uh-huh. Because at that moment, when and the first time I ever experienced that, all of a sudden, it, I realized that the chant even had become something so much larger than any of us. It was this prayer. It was this beautiful tune. It was all these things combined, I thought. But what I was so moved by is that those words were coming back to me with different colors, different meaning. And we would talk afterwards, some of us. We did this even the summer that several of us did go to study with Dr. Barry. Mm-hmm. We could all do the same chant and hear something completely different. Mm-hmm. And would often experience this, even though we had ex- done it together, we all caught something slightly different. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm pointing it out is because Sister Evangeline said earlier that one of the things that makes chance so unique is that we bring ourselves to it, as well as it coming to us. Okay. And I think that's something sometimes when we, uh, you know, as choral musicians or instrumental musicians, you know, when we walk in and we see a piece of Herbert Howells or we see a piece of Beethoven, we have a certain expectation. Right. Chant, on the other hand, I'm not certain we have those types of expectations. We go in there and that, and it's just always changing. Mm-hmm. In fact, Dom Cardine, who was the great chant scholar at Slim uh, in the mid-20th century, said, you know, chant is, is always changing because it's alive. Mm. Right. Right. That's beautiful. And to develop that rhythmic flexibility, I would imagine that's going to get locked in when you sing so often together. As you say, you do the office every day. Um, You start to take on the same breathing, the same phrasing for the text, the, the same musical phrases. Do you find like a real a musical bonding that takes place. Yes, absolutely. Um, 
that is a really important part of it, the, the moving together and the rhythmic um, flexibility. The, it's really interesting. Um, I've experienced, and I'd say um, all of us here who chant together have experienced um, changes over the years as we have learned to work with the chant differently or as we're in different um, journeys um, as a community or as a group singing together, we find maybe we'll sing slower, sometimes faster, other times. But um, it's, it also is something that we have to work at a little bit. Okay. I mean, we, we, act, we have rehearsals and we get together and kind of talk about how we want to move or what's, what does this word mean and, and why would we want to go faster or slower. Or um, I, I do think a community develops a rhythm, exactly as you're saying, and then there's yeah. also an element of having to um, work with it. Yeah. It, it goes so deep, it, you know, above and beyond just listening to it and saying, wow, it's so beautiful, it's so relaxing, it's so soothing, but look at how deep when you're just pulling all the text from the daily office, from the prayers, from the Bible, um, there's so many graces to be had. And, and you can see why uh, Pope Benedict, even now uh, Pope Francis, wants us to not let go. We should be incorporating this into our Sunday liturgies and our holy days, maybe daily masses, even if it's on a simple level. And um, right before we came on the phone together, I played two selections. They, they were both the Salve Regina. Upon your recommendation, I did not get to the beautiful Ave Maris Stella, but I'm going to play that after we're finished speaking. But I played both versions of the Salve Regina. One, uh, this antiphon was called the simple mode, and second was the solemn mode. Can you expand on that? I mean, obviously we heard, um, it just as the words say, one is a little bit simpler and the other one seems to take on more notes per syllable. What? How would that have come to develop that differentiation and are they used at different times or do you just have your choice which one you want to use? Well, the, there are a couple of answers to that. I mean, the, the simple and solemn modes really refer to the types of feasts or services. Mm -hmm. uh, Sister Evangeline and I were chatting about this beforehand because it's like the simple mode antiphons are most commonly heard during, after the Office of Compline. There are other feasts in which they occur, but you but you hear those then, and they change often with the time of the year. But the the simple mode Salve Regina that you played today, mm -hmm. I have heard in so many different contexts because everyone knows it. Right, it's familiar, mm -hmm. and it's familiar. The solemn one, as as suggested by the name, a little more ornate, right. and would be typically associated with more, some of the more solemn Marian feasts. Okay, and perhaps not quite as well known. That simple one, we we have done that both here. We've done it when we've gone over and and done concerts in Italy. At the end of these programs, the audience joins in with us. Yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I mean, they all know it. You also hit on a really important point about the depth that comes out with the text, mm. because. I know we've experienced in our community, and we've experienced it when people have come in and we've gone out and worked with people on chant. You might have a school teacher in the front row and a physicist in the back row and somebody who's just cut the lawn in the third row. <laughs> and every one of them has a different take on the same 
word and the same little melodic motive mm. in terms of how it speaks to them. And that really, we've what we're discovering is that's what really hooks people into the chant. Okay. It's how that sound, how that music is drawn, literally drawn out of those words. Mm. Now, I imagine... You're talking about this, uh, the demographics of people, the mix of people. Mm -hmm. That brings us to the point where uh, maybe two weeks ago, and I didn't get yet to share this with the listeners, uh, you ran a week-long retreat on Gregorian chant, and I guess both of you, co-leaders of that, Sister and Dr. Jordan. That's right. Tell us a little bit about that retreat, and I'm going to say this much. I, As I was exploring the website for the um, Gloria Day Cantoris and then both of your bios and just reading more about it, I discovered the retreat. Had I known about that, like, earlier in the summer, I would have been there. <laughs> oh, my well, gosh. There's another, one. <laughs> another one coming. Good. So I'm definitely going to pick your brain over that. But for two reasons. Number one, I love chant, and I want to be able to um, sing it better, pray it better, and I am a choir director, and I want to be able to get into the the depth of the chant and really bring it to a comfortable level with my choir. But then I looked at a map, and I actually saw where you're located in Massachusetts. Yeah. I thought, oh my, I'll come and wash floors to be there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it's nice. So tell us about the retreat, and then, of course, um, maybe where people can go and, and read about it and sign up for the next one. Yeah. Um, it was a great retreat we had. We had about 15 people, um, and, uh, you know, through no specific plan, it ended up being quite a cross-section of different types of people. We had priests and organists and, okay. um, as Jim was saying, science teachers and judges and people that work at the UN, all sorts of everybody. Latin professors. I mean, it was, we had a good time together. I think that helped, you know, the, the diverse group. And um, and what we, brought them together was just the love of chant, primarily. Exactly. Okay. We um, focused mainly on the um, chant of the, the Feast of the Transfiguration, because that's the name of our church here, and it was the feast day at the um, close of the retreat. Okay. So we worked for three or four days together working on those pieces. But um, it was a whole lot of experimentation and talking together and sharing together and reading the text and um, just, you first of all kind of have to get to know each other a bit. Right. And then you get to know the chant and there's so many different levels of um, ability in music. But the interesting thing was we had a mix of people who couldn't read music. Oh. Um, some people who even had difficulty hearing tunes, and somehow at the end, everybody was singing vigorously together. Wow. Well, one thing we did also focus on on this particular retreat is was the oral and oral tradition and communication of chant. Mm-hmm. We didn't crack a book uh, for a good while into this into this retreat. Okay. We did a lot of call and response. We did chants that were familiar, things that talked a lot about the, you know, some of the simpler chants. And it was amazing how people's ears caught right on to them. Okay. Because all of a sudden they were realizing, oh, I can do that. Oh, yeah. I've heard that before. Uh-huh. And this was so helpful because 
for one thing, they realized all the walls could come down. Yeah. That it didn't require this education or that degree or this knowledge, mm-hmm. but that literally the chant was for everybody. Very approachable. And I've read that, that Gregorian chant accommodates all kinds of voices, all levels of vocal skill. I guess there's truth it to does. it. It does. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think the other thing that really helps with this retreat in this setting is that the retreatants come in and they're immediately embraced by a community that is continuing to work on chant and singing it around the clock. So they walk in even without us giving classes. They would be being educated in chant and experiencing it on a very deep level. Mm-hmm. So is this something that's just an annual summer program, or do you go throughout the year at, at some point? We did two retreats this year, and we're planning at least one next year. I know there's one scheduled in April. Right. Oh, okay. I'm marking my calendar as yes. we speak. Oh, good. <laughs> yes, I'm not sure that it's on our website yet, but it should yeah. be coming soon. Okay. What is your website, by the way? Um, the Community of Jesus. It's communityofjesus.org. Okay. All right. And I have before me the beautiful Chants of Mary, Gloria Day Cantoris, the Men's Scola. And I, I know you have several other CDs out, and not just chant. Am I, am I right? That's right. Uh, Gloria Day Cantores is actually the resident choir uh, here at the Community of Jesus. Okay, I see the connection. And the scholas are actually uh, subsets from within the choir. Mm-hmm. However, let me hasten to add that it's the other way around when it comes to the choral music, because everything we do in the choral music springs first from the chant. Okay. So it's just a matter of... Um, in that case, like, the, the school is just happened to be smaller groups from within the choir. Right. Is there a either a ruling or a strong recommendation? This has always come up in conversation, and, and I don't know the um, accurate answer. So chant, it's as I'm listening to this CD, there's something so beautiful and reverent, and there's something about the richness of the men's voices. But then on another CD, I think it was the one, um, The Beloved Son, some of the chants are done by a women's group. And then they go so far as the men and the women are singing together. Is there a recommendation for Eve for doing it one way over another? No, there isn't. Okay. We actually, what we do is we look at the chants, look and see what seems to be most appropriate at a given point. We felt when we did the Chants of Mary, it seemed to resonate best with the men's group at that point in time. Okay. And so we chose to do it that way. Yeah. But we have others where we did a combined men's and women's school. And, of course, that represents our community life. Mm-hmm. Because we, we if you, as it were, are a giant men's and women's school We've been characterized as that before, mm-hmm. uh, where we will, because all of our offices, because they're in, you know, alternating fashion, uh, you'll have men and women alternating back and forth during the offices. Okay. And, and of course, some of the chance of the Holy Spirit recording is all the women. Yes. Scholars. Okay. All right. So a great a great unlimited number of ways to do this. <laughs> Truly. Um, and I did have a specific question. I, I guess this would be for Sister, only because I read in the bio that you have actually done some of the chant workshops and retreats 
uh, overseas to international audiences of children. How how was the chant received by children? And and then I guess language was no barrier because you're singing in Latin. Yes. Um, uh, I've done more work with children here in the States, to tell you the truth, but I've okay. done uh, groups overseas in Italy and in England. Okay. And um, yes, the Latin is definitely the makes it easier going between countries. Yeah. Um, we had a group that we worked with in Italy. I was living there for a while that we worked every week together. And um, we had, it was a bunch of women, and we had more fun together, I can't tell you. <sighs> there, there's the tradition in Italy um, where people have a lot of chant just in their repertoire of, of their daily or their um, regular church life. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a common bond. And I don't know that it's quite as strong in the United States, but um, I found that in itself was um, broke down barriers and was a really enjoyable time that we all had together. Yeah. Um, in England, we were doing chants, which we both Jim and I did this, um, workshops and retreats in, um, with Dr. Barry and in her stead a, a few times. And um, there's a very alive community of people interested in chants in, in the United Kingdom. And um, so that was, that was a great experience. And I could see that it would be well-received, especially over there. You think of all these young boys' choirs, you know, growing out of the English tradition, yeah. Ireland, mm-hmm. Scotland, and in the United States, many groups, they're trying to make a go of it, some of them very, very successfully. But, you know, you find the soccer field and the pop music seems to have a greater magnetic draw, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. But, I would say, yeah. here, when I work with the kids here um, in our community, we have a number of, of children. We've had different classes. Um, you know, kids are kids. Yeah. And I think anything can be interesting to a child in a group of kids if there's a game involved and if there's competition and if there's, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of excitement in the learning process. Right. So we would have classes for our children simultaneously while the adults were learning. And sometimes I knew those kids were learning things faster than the adults because there was a game and they were going to beat their little sister or, you okay. know, whatever it took. But they, the kids here have actually learned quite a bit, and I think they enjoy it. Yeah. But um, it kind of has a lot to do with how you present it. Right. And mm-hmm. they... And I think the reason I love to do that is because how it was presented to me as a kid, which, which um, made me excited from such a young age. Right. Right. Um, anything else either one of you would, would like to share with our listeners? We, um, after our phone conversation, I am going to continue with some more music, uh, specifically the Ave Maris Stella and some other things that you had um, recommended, Dr. Jordan, the, the introit, Gaudens, Gaudebo. Right. Perhaps just a quick story about that recording itself. Yes. We had the men's group we were trying to record during the day, and we wound up having noises and so forth and one thing after another, and we said, you know what, this just isn't working. We need to take a break, and because of outside noises, we decided we needed to start recording at about 4 in the morning. Oh, dear. So what we did is we stopped, we went home, and ate dinner, and then basically went to bed. All of us agreed we'd be up by 2.30 or 3 to get warmed up so that by 4 o'clock we'd be ready to go. Mm. And the reason I tell you this is because it took a whole community to do this because when we came in, 
the church had been set up by a lot of the sisters. We, we were recording in, in the round. They had set up candles and dimmed the lights, Aww. just like we would do for a Marian office. Okay. So when we came in and did this, our whole demeanor shifted. I bet. And all of a sudden, it was basically, it was it, frankly, it was that hour of the morning, it was hard to choke back tears. And we, we did about four hours of recording. Only to, then at the end of that, another group had made us a huge breakfast. Oh, fantastic. So, I mean, there was a lot of communal love poured out into that and a lot of sacrifice in order to make that recording work. Yes. But I think that's, that's been true for all of them in one way, shape, or form. And it's another thing that the chant can carry because, again, it's simply reflective, and I say simply, but I I mean that, Mm. of part of our daily life, Mm -hmm. how we try to live with each other. Mm -hmm. Oh, you you had the atmosphere, the ambiance, the silence, something about the stillness and the quiet of the night. And to sing in Thanksgiving for all those who who created that for you and took care of you when it was over— it just uh, really lifts you up, and it takes you to another place altogether. And I know it's it's conducive to many people's prayer life, even if it is the prayer or perhaps it's in the background while you're reading your spiritual book right. or your Bible. You know, right. people appreciate it on different levels. But I would encourage anyone listening, if you haven't really given chant a chance, you know, some people are— or of the modern mindset, oh, that's old, I'm not going back there. Um, I think it's just proven itself that we need this as a part of our lives and a part of our liturgies. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Okay. So give us a website again if, if people want to say, okay, I, I want to get one of their CDs or I want to read about more what they do. Where they can, can go to www.paracletepress.com. Okay. And all of the recordings uh, are there either under CDs or you can go under chant and there's a subcategory of chant CDs. Mm-hmm. All right. Any other uh, tours planned or concerts? And, and I guess um, you're probably getting your calendar in shape for the next year or so. This is a plan. Well, we, and we do have the chant retreat coming up. The choir will begin again in the fall. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, chant will continue to be part of our uh, weekly and daily lives as usual. Beautiful. Beautiful. I bet it's, I bet it's pretty stress-free up at the community. Well, I don't know. You know, they, they, like everybody's life, there are things that are built in, but it certainly does help to have this. <laughs> exactly. We're human, right? <laughs> We're human. Exactly. You got it. And we do, and we do invite any time you want to come. Okay. You just call us, and we set up the time. You don't have to wait on the retreat. Okay. Oh, gee, can you imagine if I brought some of my choir? We could have our own personal retreat. It'd be delightful. Absolutely delightful. Well, we want to thank Dr. Jordan, Sister Evangeline, and um, thank you so much for your insight, your wisdom, your sharing. Thank you for having us. Okay, God bless you. God bless you and all you do. And you too. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.
And we were just listening to Ave Maris Stella, a hymn to Our Lady under the title of Mary, Star of the Sea. And I hope you're enjoying our hour on Gregorian chant as we spoke earlier with two chant specialists from the community of Jesus in Massachusetts. And um, interesting that as we're playing the music, we had a couple of visitors stop by and they're looking at the station and seeing the chapel and speaking with Gabriella. So I just want to say hello to Norma and Richard. Thanks for stopping by and watching the music hour in progress. And of all things, they're from St. Gregory the Great. And don't we get so many of our chants from good St. Gregory himself. Let's listen to another example of the simple mode in contrast to the solemn mode, as we spoke with earlier and got a, a very good explanation for that. We're going to go to Regina Chaley, which is an antiphon for the Feast of the Visitation. And first, we'll hear the Regina Chaley that you could probably sing along with, very approachable in several hymnals, um, regardless of the publisher in the repertoire of many church choirs, but right after the simple mode, we go to the solemn mode, as they explained, for a, a different part of the day, or perhaps high mass on those very special Marian feasts, the Regina Chaley. We'll go now to the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, December 8th, 
And let's listen to some of the chants. So far, we've heard these unison uh, men's scolas. This is going to implement the use of a canter. So another way to do the chant, as our instructors were telling us earlier, a lot of possibilities, a solo voice, a scola, many people together, just men, just women, men and women together, alternating verses. Let's see what happens now. In this introit, Gaudens Gaudebo, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, and my soul shall be joyful in God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. This is the introit to uh, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, and uh, please enjoy with Cantor and Scola.
We are featuring the CDs of Gloria Dei Cantoris. That was the men's scola from The Chance of Mary. But I'd like to branch out to another CD. This one is entitled The Beloved Son. This is, um, I'm going to have to get the, the, the accompaniment CD. This is the second disc in a two disc series that tells the story of the life of Christ through Gregorian chant. It captures in numerous antiphons and responsories with texts taken mainly from the New Testament, the the events of Jesus's earthly adult life. How beautiful is that? Just the retelling, as Dr. Jordan said, the scriptures came alive for him. And here it is, we're being introduced to Christ in in his journey and in his walk through the Gregorian chant texts. Um, fantastic. And, and the CD jacket itself is many, many pages. And, and you could read. It, it just really becomes a prayer, a meditation, an education. And this is under the direction conducted by Mary Berry. It's Dr. Mary Berry that uh, Jim Jordan and Sister Evangeline studied in Cambridge. Uh, Mary Berry dedicated her life to uh, specializing in the Gregorian chant and keeping it alive. She founded the Scola Gregoriana of Cambridge in 1975 and did all she possibly could to introduce people to the study, promotion, and performance of Gregorian chant and conducted this beautiful group, Gloria Dei Cantores. In the year 2000, she was awarded a papal cross for her services to plain song and Gregorian chant in her untiring efforts to save this great heritage of ancient Christian music. She was also recognized by Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. So we're going to go to my favorite chant, probably one of the first ones that I can remember hearing, which captured me into then exploring and wanting to learn more and to perform some of this beautiful, rich treasure that we have in our church. This is the Pange Lingua, which we sing every Holy Thursday as we take the Holy Eucharist to its place of repose. So should be familiar melody, Pange Lingua, and I believe if I remember this example will show us the alternating of men and women.
overheard and attracted me so much that I thought, I need to find out more about this great body of sacred music. And again, going to my music history book, there was merely a, a short chapter on it, but um, sounds like a plethora of information available at the paracletepress.org. We will close now with the most recent chance, set of chants that I learned. And um, looking at the clock, we may only have time for the Kyrie, but most recently the choir that I work with used uh, the Missa De Angelis at a couple of very special events that we had in our parish at the end of last year. So we'll start with the Kyrie. Hopefully we can get through a touch of the Sanctus. But thank you for staying with me this hour and sharing in the beautiful Gregorian chant. And we'll speak with you again soon. God bless you. Mm-hmm. 